0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He replied and said to him, Teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At that statement, his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, so Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. Peter began to say to him, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you. There is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more, now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters, and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, I was reading a biography of St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. In it, there are many photographs. One of them was of a crucifix. And the caption said, this is one of the crucifixes used by St. Therese. The nuns were not allowed to keep a crucifix for very long for fear that they might become attached to it. Now that's detachment. You can't even have your own crucifix because you might become attached to it. That was the idea, though. Radical detachment, abandonment from everything. Most of us aren't called to that kind of detachment, although many of us are, too although not everyone accepts that, because we have things that we remember from people we've loved, like parents, family items, things that remind us of happy occasions, of good times, things that seem to keep us rooted. But are we too attached to them sometimes, really? We become weighed down in this world, We were warned about that. I remember talking to a a sister once, a religious sister, and I said to her, sister, do you remember the days when you had to go to the Superior and ask for permission to buy a tube of toothpaste? She said, oh yes, those crazy days, I'm glad they're gone. I don't know how we survived them. And I thought, sister, in those crazy days, your order was flourishing. There were young women battling to get in, knocking down the doors. But today you're dying and will be dead very shortly to be replaced by those people who are doing what you used to do. That spirit of detachment. Again, abandonment. That we aren't used to in a world where we are full of so many things. They become part of us. Today's gospel. A young man runs up to our Lord, and asks him a very good question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. But he's also flattering our Lord. It's not good to flatter the Lord. He knows when you're doing it. And he said, why do you call me good? This man doesn't know who he is, no one is good but God alone. He's not denying his divinity. He's saying, You don't know me. So don't call me good, even though I am goodness itself. So, having brushed aside the flattery, he then confronts him. He says, Well, you know the commandments. And he lists a good many of them. And the young man is very pleased with himself. He is. And he has good reason to be pleased. He says, teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. You can hear him saying it. Our Lord sees something very lovable in him. Something very determined. He sees a certain zeal, and desire for eternal life. But, but. Now the same thing can be said of us sometimes, can't it? We think we are quite wonderful too. But our Lord says to him, You are lacking in one thing. So when we go to him, as this young man, and tell him how wonderful we are, he will say to us, but you're lacking in one thing. There's always going to be one thing. Every time we go to him, there's one thing. Sometimes two or more. In fact, often a lot of things are lacking that we don't want to deal with, things we don't want to give up. So our Lord then tells him what it is. He knows this young man, as he knows all of us straight through. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But not until you've detached yourself from everything. In some ways, however many things we have, we have to detach ourselves from all of them. Nothing can weigh us down or keep us back. There's a painting or a copy of a painting by, I think, Rembrandt over there of our Lord with this young man who's dressed in the very fashionable and expensive clothing of the 16th or 17th century. Our Lord is pointing to two two poor people over in the corner, and the young man won't even look at them. And so the young man goes away sad but not too sad to go away. He's not sad enough to give up his possessions. He's sad because he won't give them up. He wanted to follow the Lord on his conditions, possessing what he possessed. We have to ask ourselves, what is it that we possess that's so much a part of us that we can't give it up? Because the Lord may take it away from us. One thing we possess, maybe many things though too, because he has got to be the focal point of our being. Well, then, later on, his disciples say, our Lord is direct. He says, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. There are many wonderful wealthy people who are detached with their wealth and generous with it. But our Lord says, how hard it is. And they're amazed. What kind of men were these? Well, we know. They believed, as did their world, as do even many Christians today, that wealth is a sign of blessing and election. Our Lord is saying it isn't that way at all. It's a great danger. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And look what they say. Then who can be saved? If the wealthy can't be saved, then who can? Our Lord is probably just somewhat tired of them. He says, for human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. well, Then St. Peter speaks up. Notice St. Peter. We have given up everything and followed you. In other words, what's in it for us? A pretty ordinary question. How many times have you or I asked that question? What's in it for me if I'm going to follow you? What can I expect to get? And our Lord tells him. Because they're in for a life of radical poverty. They don't know this yet, but they are. No one who followed me who will, who will not receive a hundred times more now and in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecution and eternal life in the age to come. In other words, he's giving them the church. The whole world is yours. The church, your brothers and sisters, these are what you have now. Which is much more than you could ever have expected. This is isn't what they were hoping for, nor do they understand it as we often don't understand the idea of detachment and letting go and releasing ourselves. But that's essential. Uh, You know, we have to do that now. Never mind what was past. We don't know what's coming. But you know, even if the whole of our past has been a disaster, and even if our future seems like a dead end. Now we have the power to go to God, to be united to him in communion with him, and to make an act of faith, trust, and abandonment. Abandonment. And will abandon all things for your sake. I remember some years ago, 20 or maybe 30, my uncle gave me a cup and saucer. And he said to me, this is your great-great-great-grandfather's coffee cup. Now, take good care of it. I said, yes, I will. Though I thought, you know, this too is going to pass away someday. Things just don't last forever, nor are they meant to. Uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux had that prayer about abandonment, that poem I once mentioned that was roughly translated, Abandonment. St. Augustine said, this is what precedes the poem, Abandonment is the delicious fruit of love. Because if we love someone, we'll abandon anything for them, even life itself, if we really love. That applies to God first. But she said, I saw upon this earth a marvelous tree arise. Its vigorous root had birth, a wonder in the skies. Never beneath its shade can aught disturb or wound. Their tempests are laid, their... Perfect rest is found, and love men call this tree, from heaven's high portal sent. Its fruit so fair to see, is named abandonment. In other words, if you want freedom, you want happiness, abandon yourself to the will of God now. Never mind the past or the future, do it now. But she saw something more in that, by way of abandonment, that we should see too. Because when we see abandonment, we see, that's abandonment. That's perfect detachment. Our Lord abandons everything on the cross. He has nothing. That's the example he gives us. So that we can say, you do it first. But then how do we enter into it? Where do we find that abandonment? Well, she said something more. She said, as looks the flower at small, up to the glorious sun. So I, the least of all, seek my beloved one. The king whom I love the most, the star I long to see, is thy white sacred host, little and low like me. In its celestial power, down from thine altar sent, wakes in my heart that flower, perfect abandonment. In other words, it's in the Eucharist that we find perfect abandonment. God abandons himself to us, and in turn expects us to abandon ourselves to him.